right, third grade parents, welcome back to Raise Ready Kids, where month by month you master the culture building strategies you need to raise kids with the knowledge, skills, character, and purpose they need to thrive. I'm Bill Jackson, founder of Raise Ready Kids and your host this month. If you were part of Raise Ready Kids in the pre-K years, you may remember a Raise Ready Kids strategy called recovery listening. We introduced this strategy to use when your child is having a meltdown or tantrum. If you missed it, here's the basic idea. When your young child loses control of their emotions, it's the perfect time to step in to help them learn how to regain control. To do that, you listen closely, do your best to feel what they're feeling, and reassure them. Imagine a child who is upset that they have to come with you on an errand. They want to stay and play. They scream that they are never going to come and accuse you of never letting them do what they want. With the recovery listening strategy, your first step is to listen for the underlying emotions, disappointment and frustration. Then you acknowledge these emotions to your child. I know you wish you could stay and play. It's so frustrating to have to stop when you're having so much fun. When you have the time, you allow your child to express their emotions and you do everything you can to make sure they feel heard. Obviously, you can't always do this. Sometimes you've got other things to do. But when you can, you stay with them for as long as it takes for them to get their emotions under control and get to a place where they can discuss and resolve the issue with you. Recovery listening is based on an essential insight about children and indeed all people. Adele Faber and Elaine Moslish, authors of the classic parenting book, How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk, describe this insight well. Children don't need to have their feelings agreed with, they write. They need to have them acknowledged. They need someone to recognize what it is they're experiencing. Recovery listening helps children learn how to calm themselves, which is a prerequisite to communicating effectively and solving problems. Now that your child is in third grade, it's time to introduce a related Raise Ready Kid strategy that will help your child solve more complex emotion-related challenges as they mature and become more capable of problem solving. It's called listen noodling, and it's a great way to help your child navigate the bumps in the road they'll experience in elementary school and beyond. To introduce listen noodling, I'd like to share an actual dialogue between a mother and a nine-year-old child, as recounted by John Gottman in his book, Raising an Emotionally Intelligent Child. I'll play the role of the mother, and I've asked one of my daughters to play the role of the nine-year-old. I don't want to go to school tomorrow. You don't? That's strange. Usually you like to go to school. It makes me wonder if you're worried about something. Yeah, kind of. What are you worried about? I don't know. Something is sort of worrying you, but you're not sure what it is. Yeah. I can tell you feel a little tense. Yeah, maybe it's because of Don and Patty. Did something happen today at school with Don and Patty? Yeah, today at recess, Don and Patty were just ignoring me. Oh, that must have hurt your feelings. It did. It sounds like you don't want to go to school tomorrow because you're worried that Don and Patty might ignore you at recess again. Yeah, every time I went up to them, they just walked away and started doing something else. Oh, gee. I'd feel terrible if my friends did that to me. I did. I felt like I was going to cry. Oh, honey, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I can see that you feel very sad and angry about the way your friends were treating you. I do. I don't know what to do tomorrow. I don't want to go to school. Because you don't want your friends to hurt your feelings again. 
Yeah, and that's who I always play with. Everyone else has their own friends. As Gottman describes, the conversation continues with the daughter giving her mother more details about the situation. After a lot of listening, her daughter is feeling better, but the problem persists. The daughter says, I don't know what to do. Do you want me to help you come up with some ideas of what you could do? Yeah. Maybe you could talk to Don and Patty about the way you feel when they ignore you. I don't think I could. That would be too embarrassing. Yeah, I can see why you might feel that way. That would take a lot of courage. Gee, I don't know. Let's think. Maybe you could just wait and see what happens. You know Dawn. She can be really mean one day, but then the next day, she'll be her old self again. Maybe she'll be a better friend tomorrow. But what if she isn't? I'm not sure. Do you have any ideas? No. Is there anybody else you'd like to play with? No. What else is happening on the playground? Just kickball. Do you like to play kickball? I never played it. Oh. Krista always plays it. You mean Krista, your friend from Campfire? Yeah. I've seen you with Krista at Campfire meetings, and you're not shy around her at all. Maybe you could ask her to teach you how to play. Maybe. Good. Then you've got another idea. Yeah, maybe that would work. But what if it doesn't? It seems to me like you're still worried. Like, maybe you're afraid that there just won't be anybody to play with, and you won't know what to do with yourself. Yeah. Are there things you can think of that are fun to play all by yourself? You mean like jump rope? Yeah, jump rope. I could bring my jump rope just in case. Yeah, then if you don't play with Don and Patty, or the kickball game doesn't work out, you could play jump rope. Yeah, I could do that. Why don't you go put your jump rope in your backpack right now so you don't forget? Okay. Then could I call Krista and see if she can come over after school tomorrow? That's a great idea. And a happy ending. I love this dialogue for so many reasons, and it perfectly illustrates listen noodling. Let's break it down. For starters, mom doesn't react negatively to the child's initial statement that she doesn't want to go to school. It would have been so easy for mom to respond, but sweetie, you know you have to go to school. Instead, mom recognizes that her daughter's words are a sign of emotional distress. Mom's emotion antenna are up. She sees her daughter's provocative statement as an invitation to engage and help her daughter build the capacity to work through a challenging issue. This is what wise parents do. They don't try to avoid their children's emotional distress, messy and challenging as it can be. Rather, they run towards it. That's what mom is doing when she says to her daughter, it's not like you to not want to go to school. It makes me wonder if you're worried about something. When her daughter can't articulate what she's worried about, mom nudges her along gently. Something is sort of worrying you, she says, but you're not sure what it is. I can tell that you feel a little tense. This is A-plus listening. The daughter can't yet say what's bothering her, but it's clear to mom that something important is going on. Indeed, there is. With mom's encouragement, her daughter is able to express what's worrying her. Friend trouble. Mom then acknowledges her daughter's pain in a genuine, heartfelt way. Oh, that must have hurt your feelings. I'd feel terrible if my friends did that to me. As Faber and Moslish write, when we acknowledge a child's feelings, we do him a great service. We put him in touch with his inner reality. And once he's clear about that reality, he gathers the strength to begin to cope. This process can take a while, but it's worth it. 
Understanding and managing our own emotions is just about the most important lesson all human beings need to learn. With her gift of time and attention, Mom is giving her daughter the space and support she needs to make sense of what's happening to her. Then, and only then, Mom asks for permission to go into problem-solving mode. Do you want me to help you come up with some ideas of what you could do? Because her daughter feels heard, her answer is yes. And now we're into the noodling part of listen noodling. I use the word noodling because it evokes the spirit of what goes on in these kinds of supportive back-and-forth exchanges. Your third grader is old enough to participate in more sophisticated problem-solving, but they still may need a lot of support. They may need your help to noodle through the problem and figure out a good solution. Note that what they don't need is to be told what to do. Mom never does that. Instead, she gently asks questions and offers ideas. Maybe you could talk to Don and Patty about the way you feel when they ignore you. Maybe you could just wait and see what happens. Is there anybody else you'd like to play with? What else is happening on the playground? Are there things that are fun to play all by yourself? After her daughter responds negatively to her first suggestion, Mom once again acknowledges her daughter's feelings. Yeah, I can see why you might feel that way. And Mom replies with a simple, oh, when her daughter notes that she's never played kickball. She never uses the words, you should, or puts any pressure on her daughter to accept any of her ideas. Noodling is a joint problem-solving process, a ping-pong of ideas. The winning ideas that emerged could not have been developed by either the daughter or her mom on their own. Neither had all the information or insight. Just as important, mom's approach allows for her daughter to own the plan going forward. Mom offers up some ideas, but her daughter accepts, rejects, or modifies them, and also comes up with her own ideas. The process is done when, with mom's help, the daughter feels like she's got some realistic options. We've talked about listen-noodling as a tool for helping your child develop emotional intelligence, but it's also great for fostering critical thinking and collaboration. It took some creativity and trial and error for the two of them to work through options and figure out a plan. They had to listen to each other, build on each other's ideas, and be patient with each other. So let's review the three steps of listen-noodling. The first step is to listen. When you recognize strong emotions welling up in your child, when possible, put down your phone, cease other conversations, and pay attention. Hold off on giving advice. Notice the emotions lurking behind your child's words. If they're having trouble articulating what they're feeling, gently ask questions to draw them out. Of course, you can't do this all the time. Sometimes you've got to be somewhere or get something done, but do it when you can. Also, listening does not mean you have to accept poor behavior. You can listen at the same time you set limits. You can listen after you remove your child from a situation in which they might hurt themselves or someone else. As John Gottman says, all feelings are permissible, but not all behavior is permissible. The second step is to acknowledge. Most elementary school children will respond well to a genuine observation like, that must feel awful, especially if you just let the statement sit and wait for them to respond. Remember what the authors Adele Faber and Elaine Majlish say. Children don't need to have their feelings agreed with. They need to have them acknowledged. They need someone to recognize what they're experiencing. Faber and Majlish have more to say about how to acknowledge your child's feelings. Don't repeat their exact words back to them. That's not very convincing. Also, some kids prefer silence when they're upset. 
it's enough to have mom or dad's presence. Other children become upset if their parent reacts in a cool, unemotional way. They won't feel heard unless their parent expresses some emotion too. And finally, the third step is to noodle. Your third grader is getting old enough to begin to participate in collaborative problem solving. Once you've listened and acknowledged their feelings, offer to help. Would you like me to help you think about ways you could solve this problem? As you help them, remember they are in the driver's seat. Your job is to offer up ideas and continue to empathize. If they reject your ideas, so be it. Hang in there. See if you can draw out some information that will help them and you come up with better ideas. Encourage their ideas and remember that they are in charge. They are the ones who need to take the lead to work through their emotional challenges now and for the rest of their lives. Give them the space they need to discover the path ahead for themselves, even if you have to watch them make painful mistakes. One of the hardest things we learn as human beings is how to manage our own emotions. When we listen closely to our children and acknowledge their emotions, we are creating the conditions that enable them to teach themselves how to work through distress and move forward productively. When we noodle through solutions with them, we're keeping them in the driver's seat, letting them figure out the best way forward for themselves. Mm-hmm.